Let's do it. If you have your Bible or your electronic device, let's make our declaration of faith. Somebody shout, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer and not just a hearer. And my life, come on again, and my life, one more time, and my life is the better after hearing, obeying, and applying a word from the Lord. Amen. Book of Mark, chapter number 5, verse number 21. Before I get started, I do want to send a shout out to my good friend, Apostle Joshua Smith. Can we make some noise for that man of God? I was so honored just to be a part. Um, he, he got invited on a major platform this weekend, T.D. Jake's um, ILS conference, and he did absolutely amazing. I wasn't sitting back just surprised because I knew it was in him all along. I mean, you could see it. He's doing what he does every single week. But, man, just to see one of our homeboys, you, you understand? <laughs> I, I sent a shout-out to him on Facebook, and I wasn't playing. Um, I, went, I went back behind the curtain to see him before we went on stage to pray for him or whatever. And uh, these three black belt ninjas, they were ushers. They weren't ushers. Urshus. <laughs> they were like, try something if you want. I'm like, I'm cool. But it, it was just an amazing experience. I tell you, I heard this past weekend, um, I'm really recharged. The, 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 the past month has been a blessing already because I, 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 didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go half on nothing when it came to, to the communicators. Did you all enjoy them? Did you all enjoy them? I feel blessed because um, not only do I feel like I'm standing on the shoulders of previous giants, but I'm actually standing in the shadows of giants. <laughs> and I feel confident because I have great men of God and women of God that are around me that continues to pour into me and challenge me and push me to the levels of that God desires. And as I said on last week, my ultimate goal is as God elevates me, pours into me, I want to continue to bless you all's lives as well. Amen. Book of Mark, chapter number 5, verses number 21. This is a very familiar passage of scripture, but we're going to try to extrapolate some thoughts out of it that, that were fresh to me, and I believe they're going to be a blessing to you all on today. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. If you got it, shout, I got it. Sure you got it. It's on the screen. My computer don't have it. <laughs> I don't have it. Let's try this one again. Man, I guess this means I just need a new MacBook. I don't know, God, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I hadn't done this in four weeks, y'all, so y'all have some patience with me, all right? All right, here we go. Mark chapter number five, verse number 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now, Jairus, man, what do you want from Jesus? 23 declares, he pleaded earnestly with him, my daughter, my little daughter, my baby girl is dying. Somebody shout, she's dying. Bible declares that she is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, 
Mark picks up another story in the myth that intersects this story in verse number 25. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew, everybody shout, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. Because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Father, now in Jesus' mighty name, I want to thank you once again for this opportunity, God, to encourage, to minister, to strengthen people that you love. So therefore, I'm very careful in what I say and what I do because these are people that you love, God. So I'm asking you, my God, to empower me. Let your hand rest upon me, upon me heavily, Father, not for Greg's glory, but God, that you might be glorified edified in everything that's said and done. Let the words of my mouth, the very meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable in your sight. And it is in Jesus' mighty name again. And everybody says, amen, amen. So announcement I have to make, really excited about it. Um, this December, I will be graduating with my doctorate of ministry and pastoral counseling. Yes, yes. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. So real talk, I really hadn't shared it with nobody because uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to graduate. <laughs> That's just real talk. I didn't want y'all to be making plans and be like, Pastor, didn't you say you was going? But as of two weeks ago, my advisor, he um, affirmed that you stay on the path, son. You'll be walking the stage in December. Really excited about it, man. And I'll be honest, it has been, it has been a journey. It's been quite a journey. It's been a long time. And um, it took some time, I guess, for God to kind of purify my motives, because real talk, uh, when I first embarked upon this, started with my master's and then the doctorate, I just wanted folk to call me Dr. McGee. <laughs> now, I still want you to call me Dr. McGee, don't play. <laughs> but uh, but I, 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 just, I just like the title. And one of my, my uh, good uh, friends that I grew up with, she had obtained her doctorate uh, years, years ago, and she gave me this bit of wisdom. She said, Greg, whatever you pursue your doctorate in, make sure that you're passionate about it. Because if you're not passionate, you're going to quit. She went lying. Because there were several times that I wanted to walk away from this program, but I knew that I had to do it. And I'll tell you why. I had two, two primary reasons why I pursued uh, pastoral counseling. Number one, because I wanted to be a better Man of God for the people of God. Apostle Beer used to tell all the ministers all the time growing up, he would say that preaching is anointing plus skill. And he's right about that. So the hand of God is definitely, definitely upon my life. But there are skills, things that I do on purpose in order to grab a hold of the people's uh, attention and make impartation. There is a skill in doing what I'm doing. But by the same token, this skill in a public speaking setting is not necessarily transferable to a one-on-one -on -one setting. And what I found out years ago is that I was a decent public communicator, but I was a poor counselor, poor coach when it comes to one-on-one. -on -one. So I went to school and I said, I want to be better at this because there are too many people dealing with issues that need my wisdom, that need my word. And I want to not only have the anointing to do it, but I want to have the tools and the skills to do it. So I decided to go to school, number one, for that reason. Number two, I chose pastoral counseling. Counseling, psychology, is because I wanted to better understand myself. So I studied a science 
that focuses on the science of humanity, of the mind. And it has been an incredible journey for me. And, and there's one particular class that I want to highlight today um, that blessed me the most. And this was early, early in the program. Matter of fact, this was in the, uh, one of the master level classes. Um, we, the, the name of the class was Addiction Recovery. Addiction Recovery. And um, of course, we, they, they took us through several different models of recovery. And one of the assignments in the class, what we had to do is we actually had to go through an addiction program. Everybody in the class had to not just study it, not just do a research, not just read about it. You had to actually go through an addiction program. And I'm not sure how I came up with this particular program. I don't, I'm not sure if I chose it or not, but I went through the AA program. Now, before you get nervous, I've never had a problem with alcoholism. Matter of fact, I've never drunk anything in my life other than Kool-Aid and Coke Zero. <laughs> um, not making myself better than anybody else. I've definitely had my own share of struggles, but alcoholism was never, not one of my struggles. But to get this grade, I submitted to the process, going to the AA meetings, and I didn't find out till later that I wasn't supposed to do that. My professor, I guess she didn't know because <laughs> she told me to go. And I went in there and I got, it's like, it's like, y'all understand how like game, recognize game? They also recognized I wasn't a drunk. <laughs> and they treated me like, you don't belong here. But I was like, I don't care, I want an A. <laughs> so going through uh, the program, studying the 12 steps, studying the 12 tradition, and this is what blew my mind. At the end of the semester, my relationship with God at that particular time was at its strongest than it has ever been after I went through an AA program. Some of y'all like, how? Some of y'all like, I'm going to AA then. I'm <laughs> I just want to take you, th you guys through, through the steps that I had to implement, practice, and learn. It absolutely blew my mind. Watch this. Here, here's step one of the 12 steps of AA. Step number one, we admit we were powerless over alcohol that our lives had become unmanageable. If you want to be free to deliver from anything, the first thing you got to do is be honest with yourself that I'm out of control. I am really out of control. And, and let me deal with this. From time to time, I have uh, somebody that will come to me and they want, I don't mind uh, intellectual, theologically stimulating conversations about any con uh, subject of the Bible. I don't mind that. But from time to time, I have somebody that want to argue with me whether a Christian could or should drink. And I don't mind having that conversation, but before I dive into the conversation, I ask them one question. Have you ever lost control with alcohol? If your answer is yes, then my answer is no, drinking ain't for you. <laughs> we can discuss whether it's for other Christians, but for you, <laughs> it ain't for you. All right? So you got to admit you have a problem. Step number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Man, this is good. Well, I can't do it myself, but God can. Somebody shout, God can. Step number three was a challenge for a lot of people, okay? Step three says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. So it's one thing to admit that I can't handle it. It's another thing to admit that I believe God can, but it's a whole nother ball game when you actually submit and say, okay, God, I need you to help me with this. And some of you guys are between step two and step three. 
I know I can't do it. I know you can. I've heard other people's testimony, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to. Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So what step four does, and this is what blessed me the most out of the, out of the 12 steps, is step four, what you do is you actually analyze your life and you put it in black or white, right or wrong, no gray areas. Either this is good for me or bad for me. And there are some of you all, your lives would be so much better if you were label actually what's good for you and what's bad for you. Because there are some of you guys, you got some, it's not that they're bad people, they're just bad influences in your life, but you won't call them that because of your loyalty to them. Because they're family members. I don't care if they family members. I don't care if they helped you out of jail, helped you break out of jail when you, I don't care what they did. If they're bad for you, call them bad for you. Step number five. Here's another challenging one. Admit to God, everybody shout to God, to ourselves, and to somebody else. Now, some of y'all stuck right there. Because <laughs> I don't want nobody to know what I did. I'll never forget. And, and listen, listen, let me tell you, um, I'm a free man. I really am a free man. Let me tell you why I'm a free man. Because um, there's somebody who knows my darkness. You understand? understand? So th the devil hides in darkness. He torments you in darkness. He manipulates you in darkness, things that haven't been exposed to the light. I had to take my darkness and expose it to the light, y'all. Look at James chapter number 5, verse number 16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what, y'all? So that you might be here. Some of you guys, your soul is sick because it's too dark with secrets. And you need to air your soul out in the counseling, coaching office of some man or woman of God. Are y'all with me in this place? Now, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. Because watch this. Years ago, too funny, years ago, man, I was going through something very, very challenging. I wasn't proud of some decisions that I made. And I went and set, made an appointment with the man of God. And I, was, I needed to just get some things off my chest. And we were sitting down. And he said, he said, man of God, look here. I know you need to share some things. You told me you need to share some things, and you can trust me. Let me tell you why you can trust me. You know Bishop so-and-so? Bishop so-and-so had a drug problem, and he told me about this drug problem, and I hadn't told nobody until right now, today. You know Apostle so-and-so? He was messing around on his wife, and I ain't told nobody but you until this day. Evangelist so-and-so, they did this and that, and I ain't told nobody but you. So, man of God, whatever you need to say is, is between us. You know what I told him? I said, i just been having headaches lately. <laughs> i just been having problems sleeping, that's all, and I just need God to do something with my mind. <laughs> that brother got none of my business that day. Because <laughs> the next pastor, he was like, you know, Pastor McGee, Pastor McGee told me about something he went through, and I ain't told no, the devil, somebody shout, the devil is a lie. But it's important to find somebody Somebody, I'm telling you, it's somebody who your secrets can be safe because it brings about healing in your soul. Step number six, we're entirely ready to have God. Somebody shout, entirely ready. Entirely ready to have God remove all, somebody shout, all, all these defects of character. Now, this is critical because God, sometimes God can act like, like my daddy did when, you know, when we was growing up. My daddy, he'd say, all this, he'd say this all the time. You better clean that room. I'm going to come in there and clean it. 
Now, before I knew what that meant, I was like, well, come clean it then, because I don't feel like cleaning it no way. Before I knew what that meant, what, what it means is, here going now, crazy self. <laughs> and anything that's not where it's supposed to be, he put it in the trash and take it out right then and there. And for the longest time, I was scratching my head like, you just bought them toys. You just bought them toys. And I'm telling you, when you're ready to really turn your life over to God, God's going to challenge you to get rid of some stuff you don't want to get rid of. Because watch this. You have drugs, and then you have gateway drugs. You have sins, and then you have weights. You have things that are wrong, and then you have things that aren't wrong, but they lead to what's wrong. And God just don't get rid of the wrong. He says, I want you to get rid of the stuff that, oh, God, I want to help somebody in this place. Some of y'all know every time you hook up with him, you wind up with something done. Every time I connect with her, I wind up in a place I don't want to be. God says, I don't want to just remedy the consequences of your sins. I want to take care of the stuff that's leading you to it. Step number seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed. Oh, God, now this was, this was really hard. This was really hard because I had to sit down. I had to think. Could y'all, can y'all see how this helped me? <laughs> Never struggled with alcoholism, but these principles, and to this very day, I use them to my, on myself and not only on myself, but as I'm walking people through challenging times, they don't even know it, but they're going through a 12-step program. Are you ready to admit that you're powerless concerning this thing that you're trying to overcome? Do you believe God, that he can help you? Are you ready to turn yourself completely over to him? Are you ready to make a more inventory and call things right, right, and the things that are wrong actually wrong? Are you ready to do that? made a list of persons. This was challenging because I had to sit down. I had to think, who did I actually wrong? Because it's hard for you to do that because you always think about who wronged you. But sit down and think about who did I actually wrong? And then nine, this is crazy, made direct amends to such people wherever, somebody shot wherever possible. Because there's some people I can't apologize to no more. There's some people you hurt in such a, such a deep place, your presence would send them into a dark place. Some people you only have to, you can just pray for. God, I'm sorry for what I did. I know I can't say anything. But God, if there's any way, God, that you can heal or bring about rec reconciliation, I'm depending on you because my presence drives them in a dark place. Ten, continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. Twelve, having a spiritual awakening awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry, somebody shall carry this message, carry this message to alcoholic. Now watch this. Steps one through 11 made sense to me. Made sense to me. I didn't understand step 12. I mean, let's, let's be real. Uh, how many of y'all like me? You ain't got to raise your hand, but how many of y'all like me? Once God has delivered you from something, not only do I not want to think about it, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't even want you to, watch this. If I was a three Hebrew boys, I went through the fire. I don't smell like smoke, so you don't need to know about the fire nor the smoke. <laughs> Y'all going to do me like that. <laughs> if I came out of drugs, I don't look like I came out of drugs, and you don't need to, you don't need to know I ever did drugs. Are <laughs> you with me in this place? So I saw the value of step number one through 12, 
So I really dived into step number 12 to understand what is this deal concerning sharing your testimony? What is this deal concerning telling people about your experience? And I couldn't find anything really relevant in my research, so God spoke to me, and this is what God said to me. God, I'm talking about God said this to me. He said, deliverance is not complete until you testify. I heard God say that to me. I didn't read that. God spoke that to me, that your deliverance is not sealed. It is not complete until you share your testimony of the experience of what I brought you through. Can somebody say amen to that? So this is what I want to do. If you're taking notes, jot down good notes. I want to give you, I think, four, maybe five reasons why you need to share your testimony. Somebody shout, I need to tell somebody. That's the name of this next series. It's called, I Need to Tell Somebody. Because there's some things that God has brought you through that somebody else needs to hear. Here's the first one. Your testimony expresses gratitude to God. Your testimony expresses gratitude from God. And let me just share this thought with you. God don't actually need your gratitude, but you need to be grateful for what he's done. Because anything you're not grateful for, you will backslide from. That's tweetable right there. Let me say it again. Anything that you're not grateful for, you will backslide from. The children of Israel, God delivered them out of Egyptian bondage, but they were ungrateful for his deliverance. They got into the desert. Come on, son, we hungry. We, we ought to go back to Egypt where we had leeks and onions. And then what God did, God says, I'm going to send you bread. And when God sent them bread, you know what they called it? They called it manna. You know what manna means? Manna means, what is this? <laughs> That's what they said to God. God sent them bread, and they said, well, what is this? And because they weren't grateful for it, they backslid from it, and none of them in that generation entered the promised land. Your testimony cognitively solidifies the work of God. I need, I need, you, I need that to marinate. Your, your, your testimony cognitively, mentally solidifies the work of God. Why is that important? How many know what it's like for God to do something, but it's hard to believe what he did? I mean, real talk. I mean, you're, like, you're just still stunned. You're still like, wow, that happened. You need to say it so that you can believe it. And the reason you need to believe it, watch this, faith without works is what, y'all? So faith produces work. When God delivers you, you have work you yet need to do. What work you need to do? When you are in bondage, there are support systems that you have built and established around you that help keep you in bondage. If you broke, you got systems around you that help you keep broke, stay broke. You only saying that. So when God brings you out of something, then you got to go to work to embrace what this is the new me. This is my new reality. So anything in my environment that doesn't reflect the newness that God has made on the inside of me, I got to do the work to get it out of my life. Can you say amen to that? Your testimony announces to the world a change has been made in you. You need to tell it so the world will know. Why does the world need to know? Because when you stop responding to your old name, Whew. Watch this, Sexy Red. Sexy Red. It's only one brother now in the whole wide world that can call her that. Y'all ain't talking to me in this place. <laughs> she has made the announcement 
that I am no longer that to anybody else but Dr. Greg S. McGee Sr. <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> Your testimony prepares you for the next battle. Somebody shout, I got to tell somebody. Your testimony actually prepares you for the next battle. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You need to hear yourself repeat what God has done in your life. So when you run into the next challenging thing, you can say, if God did it before, he'll do it again. Same God right now. Huh? Here's the last one and we'll move on. Your testimony encourages others to trust God in difficult times. Now, God spoke to me and he says that your deliverance is not complete until you share your testimony. And this is what I found out about God. Inherit in every miracle, every breakthrough, every deliverance is the seed to push somebody else to the next level. So if your deliverance was really all about you, then you, there's no need to share. If your breakthrough was all about you, then okay, you can stop at step number 11. But because God says within everything that I do in you, there's a seed to push somebody else, then the deliverance process is not even done until you share with somebody else. Are y'all with me in this place? So God took me to this particular story in Mark chapter number five, verse number 22. It just amazed me because I saw something in the text I've never seen before. The Bible declares one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and leave. Somebody shout, she's dying. The Bible declares that this girl is dying. The synagogue leaders heard something about Jesus. Now he's bringing his daughter, he's bringing the situation to Jesus so that Jesus can come and heal the daughter. It's interesting that the author intersects this story of Jairus with another story. The Bible declares, verse number 24, so Jesus went with him, a large crowd followed and pressed around him and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had yet instead of getting better she grew worse when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak 30 at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him he turned around in the crowd and asked who touched my clothes. Now this is a strange question and the disciples are questioning this as well because Jesus wants to, he's going to stop. We headed to Jairus's house and here it is, you're going to stop and say who touched my clothes? 31. You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you ask who touched me? But Jesus overlooking their conversation, verse number 32, the Bible declares, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done that. I'm telling you today that Jesus is not into private miracles. Anything that he does for you, Jesus is not into private deliverances. Anything that he does for you, anything that he does in you, he wants you to open up your mouth and share it with somebody else. Jesus today, my God, Jesus right now is looking around and he's posing the question, who touched me? Not because he don't know that he was touched, not because he don't know who touched him, but he's asking the question, who touched me? Because he's trying to get you the opportunity to open up your mouth and say, it was me. Who touched me? 
And the Bible declares, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet, trembling with fear, and she told, everybody shout, the whole truth. <laughs> Jesus gave her an opportunity to testify. Yeah. I grew up in the church where we used to have testimony services. <laughs> and I love, not, not like what we do here where we record. We have to pre-record because it, 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 it can't go wrong, okay? It can't go wrong. But I, I grew up where, where when it was time for testimony, you just pop up. And you can always tell when somebody got a hot testimony because they be dancing with it. And you know the first thing you say? You say, first giving unto the God. Look at y'all. Look at y'all. Y'all don't testify before. Who's the head of my life? Jesus says, who touched me? And he gives the woman an opportunity to share her testimony. So she was down like this saying, it was me, Jesus. But Jesus says, tell your testimony. So she got up. First giving unto the Jesus. <laughs> This is what the woman of God says. She says, I had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors. Spent all my money. And instead of getting better, I only grew worse. Somebody told me about Jesus. Come on, somebody. And I thought within myself, I said, self, huh? <laughs> if we just touched his clothes... I believe we'll be healed, girl. So Self said, go touch him. So I went and touched the borders of his gar garment, and immediately the bleeding stopped in my body, and I felt that I was free from this suffering. So Jesus stops, and he looks at her, and he says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. Now, um, I'm, I'm kind of puzzled because I appreciate this story because this is some real preaching stuff. But I've always wondered, why did the author intersect a story in the middle of a story? And this is why. Because when you get to verse number 35, the Bible declares, while Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. And you know what they told him? They said, your daughter is dead. Understand, it takes this level of faith to believe God that he can heal somebody who's just sick. Y'all know how it is. As a pastor, when I go in to pray for somebody that's sick, I try to get them to keep their focus on Jesus and not the report of the doctor. I'm not minimizing the doctor, his experience, and all of that wonderful stuff, but I need to keep you focused on Jesus. Watch this, because if you focus on what they say, you're going to lose heart, you're going to give up, and you're going to, oh my God, you're going to stop believing God and start believing the report of the doctor. So he comes to Jesus while his baby was sick. And it takes a certain level of faith to believe that God is able to raise somebody up that's just sick. But it takes a whole nother level of faith to believe not that you can just heal them, but you can actually raise my baby from the dead. So this is what I need. I know on my way to your house, your sick baby is going to die. And I need your faith to be encouraged on the way to the house. I don't need you to lose heart. So I'm looking around and asking the question, who touched me? I need your testimony now. Jairus needs to know that I can still do it. Will you tell him what I've done for you? Somebody shout, Lord, you touched me. 
That's why we have this story of the woman of the issue of blood, because Jairus was getting ready to lose heart. He was getting ready to give up on his baby, but he remembered, if God did it for you, you mean to tell me your situation was at a point of impossibilities? You went to every doctor that you knew, you spent all of your money, and you couldn't get no, you couldn't get better, you only grew worse, but Jesus did it for you. You know what? She was sick. And now she's dead. But now based on your testimony, I believe not only can he heal her, I believe he can raise her from the dead. And guess what? Her testimony don't even have a name. She's just called a woman with the issue of blood. Not a pastor, not a preacher, not an apostle. And I'm telling you today that some of you all, I appreciate the compliment because some of y'all are saying, if I could just get my friend to church, if I can just get my buddy to meet my pastor. But the reality is God has done something for you. And if you would share your testimony... overhearing what they said Jesus told him don't be afraid don't be afraid what's the point of reference does Jesus have to say to him don't be afraid because Jairus just heard about my God today he just heard about the stuff that Jesus has done but I ain't just oh my God hearing about it got me to the place to believe what you could do for a sick girl but now that I've seen it with my own eyes my faith is on a whole nother level there's some people in your circle of influence who know you. They don't know me. They don't know me, but they know you. And the reality is they will believe you before they will believe me because I'm just no good preacher, just like all the other no good preachers that they say that they know the devil is absolutely a lie. But they know you. They see your lifestyle. They see your testimony. They see your integrity. And I don't care what your pastor say, but if you say it, I'll believe your words. Somebody shout, I got to tell somebody. So I want to help you. So this, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be here for a couple of weeks. I don't know how Easter going to go, but we, you, you know how we're going to do, Chad. We're going to weave it in there. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to do it, but Easter, we're going to weave it in there some kind of way. So, so there's two things that God told me that he wants to do. Number one, hey, my God today, I am looking for an evangelist in this church. I ain't calling nobody from outside. I'm looking in the church. Because there's some things that I want to do outside the house. And I want to lean on somebody in the house who actually has the gift in the office to do it. That's what I'm looking for. Watch this. Everybody is called to give, but there are, somebody who is there are some people that are specifically anointed to give. Everybody's called to pray, but then there are some people that are specifically anointed to intercede. Everybody's called to serve, but then there are certain people that have the gift of serving. Everybody is called to share, but then there are some people that are anointed to share their testimony and to evangelize. I'm looking for that dear sir or that dear madam in this church. I'm ready to partner with, I'm God, God, help me, help me, help me. I've been praying for the past month for God to give me vision. Because I know without a vision, people perish. I know that. I'm looking for, I'm, I've been praying for vision for the past month. Pop, in two days, God put so much in my spirit. I feel like David, what he placed in my spirit, and I ain't going nowhere no time soon, my God today, but what God has placed in my spirit is going to outlive my generation. 
So if it's going to outlive my generation, I'm looking for my Solomons right now to put them in position to carry the baton to fulfill the work of God, even in my absence or while I'm gone. Are y'all with me in this place? And there's some people that God has anointed you. I'm, I'm telling you, we're getting ready to do something big in this city. It's not about EMCC. It's not about Greg McGee. It is about the kingdom of God. And I'm looking for people that are ready to partner together to do kingdom work in this city. Can you say amen? So listen, for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be releasing vision like I never have before. Why are you going to be releasing vision? Because I got it like I never have before. All I'm going to need is a people that's saying, Pastor, we with you. Pastor, I don't, watch this. I'm going to need some of y'all to say, Pastor, I can't see it and I don't understand it, but I trust the God in you, so I'm going to push you. Come on, somebody. While you do what it is that God has called you to do. So that's what we're doing on the corporate scale. But you know what? There's a greater work that God wants you to do on an individual scale. Because we may never come to your next door neighbor. We may never come visit your neighbor in your cubicle. We may never go to the same grocery store that you go to and speak to the same clerk on Mondays when you go and shop. We may never go to that neighborhood, but you go there every day. You go there every week. And God said that there's something that she's going through that you got the answer to. And she won't get the answer through your pastor, through the evangelism campaign. She's only going to get it if you will open up your mouth and share your testimony. Somebody shout, I got to tell it. So I want to help you with elements of a testimony. Because growing up in the church where they gave you room to testify, I learned quickly, everybody don't know how to testify. First giving unto God who the head of my life, the devil been on my back all week long. He been on my back. <laughs> and he on there right now. <laughs> Pop, what you laughing at? <laughs> <laughs> Four elements of a testimony. Here they are. Number one, where, where were you? <laughs> Number two, what did God do? Number three, where are you now as a result of what God did? And number four, who gets to pray? Somebody shout, it's just that simple. Leave it up there, let them take a picture. Where were you? What did God do? Where are you now? Who gets the praise? Let's use the woman with the issue of blood. Where, were, where was she? I had spent all of my money. I was broke. I was hopeless because I went to every doctor that they t recommended to me. And I wasn't better. I only grew worse. What did God do for you? I heard about Jesus. And I made a decision that I was coming. And I was going to touch the board of his garment. And when I touched the board of his garment, I was made whole in my body. Where are you now? Well, in that particular culture, if you had a condition like that, you were ostracized from the community. Where are you now? I'm back into the community. And I'm a mother now. I's married now. Come on, somebody. And who gets the praise? Jesus gets all the praise. Years ago, after the birth of my son, Nathaniel, my wife was on her deathbed. On her deathbed. Infection had set up in her body. Doctors didn't know what to do. They were throwing antibiotics at her left and right. And I was at that place of hopefulness 
because I was hoping for, and I'm open, however God wants to do it, you can do it miraculously, or you can do it by the hands of the doctors. I was, I was leaning more towards the doctors because it just makes sense. If I got an infection, give me an antibiotic, I'm good. But nothing they gave her was working. My wife was up to like 2 o'clock in the morning. I, she was just moving around and just, just, just stirring. Her fe- they couldn't get her fever down. Her blood pressure was just completely out of whack. And I remember I had came to a point of desperation. And it hit me that the doctor is not going to be able to fix this. And I remember that night, it was like 3 o'clock in the morning. My wife had finally gone to sleep and I was still up. And I turned my face to the wall and I said, God, please heal my wife. And I just began to repeat that prayer. God, please heal my wife. The next morning, the doctors came in, and the cultures came back, and they said, we now understand the right remedy to fix this infection in her body. And they gave her the right medicine, and a few days later, we were back at home. Was it the doctors, or was it God responding to, come on, somebody, where was she at? She was finna die. What happened? I begged God, please touch my baby's body and they came up with something to fix her and we give God all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Yafrika shared my, te- Elder Yafrika uh, Edwards shared my testimony a couple of weeks ago when we got ready to buy the South location. We were broke as a joke. <laughs> we had the, the, the banker <laughs> The banker asked us to put together a report, and he was so gracious. He said, I need at least 100 members. <laughs> I need at least 100 members, and I didn't lie. If you was pregnant, that was two members. If you died, you still on the roll. You, we, ain't, we ain't removed your name. You still there. If you visited one time, you an honorary member. <laughs> you understand? Uh, we came up with 100 members. And he said, you got the members, you barely got the income to pay the mortgage. He said, this is what I'm going to need you to do. I'm going to need a $10,000 down payment, and I'm going to need your house to be on collateral. $10,000 was literally all we had in our savings. So if an emergency would have transpired, we would have been in a bad situation. But I put the $10,000 up, put my, my house on collateral. So in essence, we believe in you, Rev, but just in case this don't work out, you and your, we're going to take the church and your baby's going to have to find some place to live. So I gave the $10,000, put the house up for the collateral, and I, watch this, watch this, I trusted God. I continue to serve. I continue to give. I was faithful to what it is he called me to do. And watch this, less than 20 years, we finna pay that building off, and somebody gave us the building we in right now. Where were you? We were in a financial destitute place. I trusted God, and not only are we gonna pay that off, somebody gave us the next church building. If God will do it for me, somebody shall he'll do it for you. Every time somebody come to me, a pastor come to me about a situation like that, I go back to my testimony. Because how many know God doesn't have a respect of a person? He has a respect of principle. Are y'all with me in this place? And if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And there's people around you that are hopeless that need your testimony. He needs your testimony. He needs your testimony. Huh. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, what's your testimony? 
you know what I need you to do? Here's your homework. Y'all got homework. Y'all got homework. And I'm going to test you on your homework assignment. I need you to go home this week. And I need you to develop a two-minute elevator testimony. What's a two-minute elevator testimony? You get on the elevator. You push floor 16. It's going to stop at 4, 8, 12, and then finally 16. From floor 1 to floor 16, you need to be able to share with less than two minutes of what, where you were, what God did, where you are now, and who you get to praise through. Why you, why, 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 why? Let me tell you why. Because I'm prophesying to you today that God is getting ready to orchestrate situations around you. And when the situation is right, he's, you, oh God, thank you. You're going to hear it just like this. You're going to hear it. Who touched me? Who touched me? And when you hear it, that's going to be your key. Stand up and say, this is where I was. This is what God did for me. This is where I am now as a result of God touching me. And I give him all the glory and all the praise. When I look around this building, every last one of you all, you got a testimony of something that God has done on the inside of you. And I rebuke the spirit of inferiority. The devil is absolutely a liar. And there, let me just go ahead and speak to that because there's some of y'all, there's some of y'all in here, you discount your testimony because it ain't as deep as somebody else's. And I'm being honest with you. <laughs> Brother Jeff shared his testimony. I don't want Brother Jeff's testimony. <laughs> you know what he's saying? Watch this. I never want to go through that in my life. But that's his testimony, and when he shares his testimony, people get free, and God gets the glory. Well, my testimony ain't his testimony, but I got a little testimony, and you got a little testimony too. And if you, oh my God, if you will give the little, my God, today, God has a way of taking a little fish and a little bread, come on somebody, stretching it and feeding a multitude of people. You never know what God's going to do with your, somebody shout with my little testimony. Hmm. Somebody shout, I got to obey. Say it again, I gotta obey. One more time, shout, I gotta obey. Let me tell you why you gotta obey. Because oftentimes as you're sharing, you're not the whole story. One plants, another waters. God gets. So there are times when God just wants you to plant and you getting discouraged because you wanna water and see increase. But God says, I just need you to plant. I just need you to share. Y'all like, oh my God. <laughs> I, you dropped your keys. <laughs> you know what? I, I, was doing a, I was doing a study. I was doing a study. And uh, <laughs> um, on, on just, just laying hands and what's, what that means and what that symbolizes. Because I don't like, I don't like doing nothing without uh, theological undergirding. And so I was studying Leviticus. And they were sharing how that when the priest laid hands on uh, the sacrifice, there, there's a, there was a spiritual transferal. So, a guilty man lays hands on innocent sacrifice. So what happens is the innocence of the lamb transfers to the man the guilt of 
the man transfers to the sacrifice. Now the lamb is worth sacrifice. It, it needs to be sacrificed because he's guilty of sin. The wages of sin is death, right? So when you're laying hands, that there's a spiritual transfer. And God was, God was challenging me to lay hands on people to transfer. The Apostle Paul, he was saying, I, he, he, he told Timothy to stir up the gift that's in, in you that was given to you by the laying hands of the pre Presbytery, right? So God was challenging me to lay hands. And that's, uh, for, for, that's why it took so long to, to get deacons. It took so long for me to lay hands on ministers. It took me so long to, to lay hands on elders because I don't do that lightly. I only do it when God tells me and who he tells me to do it to. Because I understand that there's a, watch this, there's a grace on me that transfers over to them, okay? Here's my challenge with laying hands on folks. I wanted some dramatics. Come on, real talk now. Now, when I lay hands on y'all, I need you to be like, <laughs> you, you understand? I need, I, I mean, I want it to be, I, I don't want it to just be, I, I want you to be like, <laughs> you understand? <laughs> so when God starts telling me to lay hands on folk, I was like, yeah, 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 and they were like, you done? <laughs> Did the fire come? <laughs> so are you dependent upon the response of the people or the power of the word that God told, gave you? Don't worry about what happens when you share. Thank God for the results of what you know transpired because you shared y'all with me in this place and there listen real talk <sighs> thank you Jesus thank you Jesus <laughs> thank God today <sighs> brother Turner shared his testimony now I'm acting like a acting like a baby like you <laughs> Brother Turner shared his testimony um, a couple of Sundays ago about I came over to his house and um, I remember that. I remember it specifically because my wife was mad at me because I was supposed to be somewhere else. And I, I detoured and I just felt this impressive impression. I just need to go. I need to go. And um, it wasn't nothing deep. For the first 20 minutes, we just kind of shot the breeze, man. How you doing? Da 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 da. And it was so funny. He was that day. You, he was in his feelings for real. He was acting so hard. He already a big guy. But when you acting hard with it, what's up, Pastor? I was like, man, you need to do this. Like, man, I'm done, Pastor. You understand? I'm done. It's funny. That was my first time. Yeah, that was my first time meeting Noah. And uh, is, is it Noah? Yeah, Noah. And uh, Noah was getting the bath, and he came downstairs, and uh, he just gave Noah a look like, Noah, get upstairs. Noah was like, yes, sir. <laughs> Listen to me. I shared some things with him, and based on his response, Based on his response, nothing penetrated. No real talk. 
when I left, I thought within my, the only thing that I knew was that I did what I felt in my heart I was supposed to do, really. But based on his response, did nothing penetrate. I waste, based on his response, I wasted my time. That was years ago. And you mean to tell me that you fooled me like that? And I'm telling y'all, there's some folk that's going to fool y'all. They're going to fool y'all. They're going to fool y'all. They're going to act like nothing you saying even makes sense. That don't even make, whatever. Yeah, I, hear, I heard what you're saying. But the word of God, and let me tell you, anything that you say that God is saying, it is the word of God. And it's just as powerful as what I'm doing right now. I know, mother, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what I'm doing right now is penetrating the hearts of people. Not because I'm so anointed or so nothing. No, because this is what God gave me, and I'm just sharing with you what he gave me, and his word does not return unto him void. If you would simply share what God did for you for somebody else, for some of us, you won't know until you get to glory. And when nobody else applauded you, heaven will applaud you for your sacrifice, for your diligence, for your steadfastness. Let, let, me, let me tell you why. I'm, I'm backtracking and I'm done. I, I need to go. It's good to have people that appreciate it. And I, I, I do have a people that appreciate me. I do. And y'all love me. I know you do. That hadn't always been the case. Hadn't always been the case. And, and this is what God had to share with me years ago. Serve the people, but expect the reward from me. Because if you would serve the people, now God can use the people to bless you, but he don't have to. The only thing he promised you was that he was going to bless you for your service. He didn't say who he was going to bless you through. So when you serve people, I'm open to the reward in any way that God chooses. If he chooses the people, great. But just in case he doesn't, I'm not going to stop serving and sharing just because it doesn't look like they're receiving. You got something you need to say. And I want to challenge you. Somebody said, I'm going to share my testimony. Every opportunity, this is where I was. What God did in me. This is where I am as a result. And I give God the praise. Every head bowed and every eye closed in this place.